Welcome to Board Gamers Anonymous, the podcast of board gamers and the insane fun we have at the table together. This is Chris. And this is Anthony. And this is episode 262, New York Toy Fair Hotness. We'd like to thank all of our Patreon backers for helping us bring you a brand new episode. All right, Anthony, we are back and this time back in New York. Or close enough, you were back in New Jersey. So we were just a stone's throw away from the New York Toy Fair, and there was a lot of hotness this year. Yeah, no, it's funny. Like, you think Toy Fair, and you think, well, there's going to be Hasbro, there's going to be, you know, all the party game people, but there's some decent representation by legitimate hobby board games. So uh, our friends over at BGG, of course, are there and previewing everything because we unfortunately don't have the many many thousands of dollars it costs to go to that show we can certainly watch from abroad and uh share our thoughts on the games that have been announced or that were further previewed um, some of which we've talked about in the past but it's a lot of good stuff yeah we were at dreamation 2020 so not terribly far from the new york toy fair but we know several people who were there and unfortunately they would not pack us in with their luggage to sneak us into the fair but i don't know maybe next year yeah, no, I got a plan. I'm going to make it happen. Oh. <laughs> These guys are really big toy podcasters. They're awesome. You you stick them by your kids' games, and they'll talk about them for hours. <laughs> uh, it's not creepy at all. <laughs> <It'll be> fine. <laughs> well, we have to kind of fake it to get into the fair, so, you know. And, I mean, let's be honest. Is Is there a toy that we could not talk about? Seriously, come on. Toys, yeah. Heck, yeah. Toys, games, video games, puzzles. Jenga, I'm fine. <laughs> All those years that we wasted in uh, gaming and gaming-related content and material actually will come through for once. So, for example, my sister recently posted that they are reprinting Mall Madness, which I played with her as a kid, and I could totally give a full review of that. So <laughs> if, if they did kind of pop us in somewhere, I, I would certainly be able to cover everything out there in gaming. So... Who knows? Maybe next year. All right. That's what's going on with BGA. But now we move on to my brand new favorite feature, Anthony. It's, hey, Anthony, remember that Kickstarter that you didn't back? Oh, come on. This feature sucks. Get rid of it. (laughs) It's what the listeners want, man. (laughs) Probably. (laughs) We've tortured them for years and now it's your turn. So, well, so yeah. Remember that Kickstarter that you didn't want to back, Anthony? Well, it added a lot more stuff. So, hey, Marvel United, let's see if we can get Anthony this week. And uh, Anthony will let us know if and when he does hit a breaking point. So we've talked about this for the last couple of weeks. Chagrin. Uh, Marvel United Simon game is up on Kickstarter. And basically, it all comes down to the minis. Because the game itself, I'm sure, is fine for family fair. And if you do have a family that might be interested in this type of game, definitely check it out. But mostly the game is being kind of promoted for its fantastic chibi miniatures of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And we've ran through this for the last two weeks. But as I said, hey, Anthony, they added more stuff. Of course they did. Well, when we last left it off, they added She-Hulk, which seemed like it hit you a little bit. But uh, let me tell you about the new additions and see if any one of these will actually push you over the edge. Anthony, they added Ghost Rider. Nah, it's okay. Howard the Duck? Oh, that's kind of cool. Okay. Drax? 
Well, I mean, just Drax. <laughs> well, how about Mantis? They also added Mantis. Okay. Okay. How about Falcon? Falcon's all right. Vision. How about Vision? Vision's pretty cool. I like Vision. Yeah, and they have them kind of phasing through a brick wall, so it's pretty oh, awesome. That's really cool. Yeah. Yeah. And it looks like, at least at the date of this recording, Nova will be making an appearance as well, as long as it hits a stretch goal. Which, Anthony, if you back it, it might hit the stretch goal. Do you work for Simon? Is that what's going on here? <laughs> Is this like some native advertising, guerrilla marketing type thing that's going on? And you're just uh, targeting me? What's, what's going on here? It has nothing to do with all the miniatures that are standing behind me. But nonetheless, <laughs> let's move forward. So not only at the uh, Infinity Pledge level will you get the Marvel United game, but the rise of the Black Panther expansion comes along Ooh. with it. Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. So Black Panther, Killmonger, Shuri, and the Winter Soldier. That's pretty cool. Yeah, that's really sweet. It's it's nice to see uh, they brought that in there because they're so big. Uh, we already talked about some of the optional buys before, but there is a couple of new super optional buys. So we just mentioned the rise of the Black Panther, but there is also Guardians of the Galaxy Remix, which includes Star-Lord, Groot, Rocket, Ronin, and Gamora. Yeah, they're, they're the ones you actually, people actually want. I don't care it's about true. Mantis and Drax. Come on. <laughs> Well, look, I'm going to I'm going to throw one more thing at you and I think this might get you. There is an optional buy for an additional $25. Enter the Spider-Verse. Uh, come on. <laughs> we were literally just talking about this 2 days ago cuz they have like Venom and all this stuff and they're like, "Well, they got to have Spider-Man eventually." Like, "Oh, it'll be an optional buy." Like, probably. And it is. Come so on. for an additional $25, you get Spider-Man. Miles Morales Spider-Man, Ghost Spider, which I believe is Gwen Stacy from the Spider-Verse, Green Goblin, and I think this might be the thing that finally breaks me, Spider-Ham. Oh my gosh. <laughs> uh, what are they doing? Why? <laughs> it's so good. All right, so check back next week when we will have our final Final. Hey, Anthony, guess what they added to Kickstarter? And let's see if Anthony was able to push back the acquisition disorder for Marvel's United from CMON. All right, Anthony, so that's what's going on with your current torture for this week. Let's get on with our own acquisition disorders. What do you have up? All right. Yeah, I have a much less expensive Kickstarter that doesn't have all the miniatures to drive me absolutely insane. Here's the thing. I'm just going back a little bit. If I actually had time to paint and actually did that regularly, I would have already backed this. But I'm trying to remind myself that it never actually happens. I don't paint the things. Stop buying things you're not going to paint. <laughs> remind me. Please remind me. <laughs> Come on, man. Help me out. All right. So in terms of games that I am actually considering backing, and again, because it's much less expensive, you pointed this one out to me, actually, is the Ming Voyages and the March of progress this is uh a new um kind of dual kickstarter from two tomatoes and it has a couple of new uh what they call them pocket campaign small box games and it's essentially they're just short 30 to 45 minute games that play with one and or two players that kind of just run through some quick light combat 
right? Uh, the Ming Voyages looks really cool. It's an asymmetrical game where you're trying to collect different treasures and con- conquer different things. You play as either the Ming Emperor, trying to capture all the different treasures on the board, or as the invading barbarians who are just, you know, barbarians, doing what barbarians do. There's a solo mode on this one, which looks pretty interesting. Um, and you just kind of go against an AI version of those barbarians. It's kind of has the tiny epic approach of just jamming a whole bunch of stuff into a tiny little box. So it was like 54 cards and a bunch of wooden bits, some dice, all sorts of stuff, right? And it's 18 euros. So, you know, 20 bucks or so, pretty good. Um, The second game, which actually looks, despite not having the solo, looks a little bit even more interesting. Uh, And I think you said the same thing and we agree on this. That's the March of Progress. This is a two-player war game, and it comes with multiple different scenarios, as any good war game does, and covers a variety of different time periods from all the way back to the Thirty Years' War through the World War II. So your goal in the game is to kind of control different countries through all these different cards you're going to play out. But it's not that many cards. It's fairly tight, fairly limited in terms of how much goes out. You only have a small number of meeples, a few cubes, and some dice, and you play out these big epic scenarios for all these different wars. It looks cool. I mean, I'm all for the big war games. I love them, and I'm excited to play them, but this is way more accessible than something like a block war game. And so I am seriously considering backing both of these. The The Ming Voyage is probably more because it has the solo play and the March of Progress just because I love the idea of a 30-minute war game that I can play with two people. So it's on Kickstarter now. It's up for another 19 days. Uh, it's about, I don't know, 95% of the way to its funding goal. So by the time you hear this, it should be funded. But it's, you know, some nice, light, quick uh, wargaming that you could add to your collection. So check it out. The Ming Voyages and the March of Progress. Nice. So not only going to get you to back a ridiculous number of miniatures, but I'm also going to get you to back two little tiny miniature games. Yeah, no, this one's easy because it's, what, 30 bucks for two games? I'm, I'm all about that. The stupid Marvel thing, it's up to like 200 bucks at this point. So I don't know about that. <laughs> well, they got to fund their movie some way, man. And that's all I'm saying. <laughs> yes, no kidding. All right, so a Kickstarter that I'm looking at is called Gladius. Bet on and rig the gladiatorial games. And it has artwork by Cheryl Young. Now, what Gladius is is a game that I talked about way back when called Cheaty Mages. Basically, the two games do very similar things. In Gladius, you will have some really sweet artwork, and it has something a little different. You're going to be able to pick a specific player power, and that's going to give you a special effect throughout the game, and it's going to come with its own deck of cards, which are pluses and minuses, some which will be hidden, some which will be active when you play them right on the spot. And you are going to play those powers in order to, again, mess with the gladiatorial battles. And based upon what pops out at the beginning, that round, then it's going to judge either attack or luck or defense. And you're going to play your cards. You're going to mess around with what happens. And you're going to bet on who you're going to think comes in first, second, and third. And then after a couple of rounds, that's pretty much it. So if you play Cheating Mages, which is pretty much this game, but with special player powers, you might enjoy Gladius. And uh, I definitely am going to take a strong look at this. This is something that is not too expensive. It's about $25 US plus shipping. 
And, you know, it's a nice little filler game. I had Chitty Mages to the table many times with many different gamers. Everyone seemed to enjoy it. So if you haven't got a chance to pick it up, Gladius will be available until Thursday, March 19th. And uh, definitely check it out. All right, so that's everything for our acquisition disorders. Let's get on to the games that did hit the table this week. Let's talk about our at the tables. And we'll let you know if those games are a buy and you should run out and pick those games up. If those games are a play and you should sit down and play them. If those games are a dodge and you should run as fast as possible like Anthony wants to do from all the GB miniatures. Or if those games are a burn and you want to avoid them at all costs. Anthony, what do you have up for us this week? All right. I am going to talk about Pipeline. This is a uh, not too recent release. I think it came out last summer from Capstone Games and designer Ryan Courtney has um, artwork by Ian O'Toole, which you'll recognize uh, just his kind of very stark pastel colors that he uses. And it is a game about building and building pipelines and refining oil through them uh, to generate the most money. So, The game has a lot in common with a lot of other economic type euros in which you will do all sorts of different stuff. But at the end of the day, the winner is the one with the most money. It doesn't matter how efficient anything is. If it doesn't generate you cash, it's not doing its job. So on your turn in this game, and there will be several different turns over the course of three different years. Each year is successively shorter. So it goes from eight to six to four uh, rounds in each of those years you will take one of eight possible actions. Uh, And there's a couple of other optional things you can do as well. So in the middle of the board, you have this modular setup that has different action tiles on them. There's one to buy new uh, storage tanks and pipelines. There's another one to buy new, you know, machines that'll help you refine your um, oil in the tableau that you're building. There's an option to purchase these cards that give you asymmetrical abilities. Um, there are ways to bo- buy different types of oil, get contracts, fulfill different, you know, possible uh, orders that are available to you. And the goal here is to build a machine. And that's really the, the central part of this game is you're building a machine out of these pipeline tiles that will connect the three different colors of oil. So what you want to have in front of you is the longest possible routes of orange, blue, or silver, um, different types of pipeline. And these will take oil that is crude and basic and unrefined and upgrade it to low, medium, and high quality oil. The actual length of pipe you need to do that is variable from game to game. There's those little tiles you put out. So it's anywhere between four and seven. Um, So you might only need a length of four to increase it one level. You might need up to a level of seven. It depends on which tiles come out. You'll also pick up contracts. The cool thing about the contracts, or not so cool, depending on how you play it, is that once you take one, you have to fulfill it every round for the rest of the game. You can defer it for a round, but if you don't defer it and you take it and don't fulfill it, you're going to take a penalty cube, and the penalty cubes become worth more and more negative money. So basically, once you get over five penalty cubes, you're losing hundreds of dollars at the end of the game. You've probably lost the game at that point. The markets are open... um, in three different locations. So there's refined market one, two, and three. Each of these corresponds to a different action that you might take. There's also a crude market and you can buy crude from any of those four markets, but you can only sell into refined market one, two, or three, depending on which oil you want to sell. But ultimately what you want to do is 
build an engine that can refine oil very efficiently, ideally with some kind of machine on there to do it automatically at the end of your turn, and push oil up as quickly as possible on your personal player board. And this will make the oil, A, worth a lot more money, but B, kind of just kind of steamroll and self-fulfill itself to the point where you can fill, fill contracts and orders and sell it back to the market and generate way more cash than your opponent's more or less the bulk of the game there's these government tiles in the middle of the board and when you look at the board that's all you really see is all the tiles in the middle but that's just one small piece it's an option for you to take uh to pull different tiles off the board and help build out your tableau but ultimately it's about buying and selling those little cubes and if you do that efficiently you'll do well if you do that inefficiently you'll have a very bad game so (laughs) this game ended up reminding me in some ways And this is not the perfect comparison, but like the feeling it gave me in some ways was like a splatter game where if you make poor decisions early and don't build a solid tableau, you could score very, very few points at the end of the game, you know, and generate very little money. You could have a negative score in this game if you're inefficient enough about it, if you have to take loans or if you have to, you know, throw away contracts that aren't fulfilled, you will take negative points, which can be kind of brutal. So It is one of those kinds of economic games. It's not as strict as those. There is some flexibility in there. Um, You always have options. There's a lot of different actions you can take. It does have this weird wonky mechanic with the upgrade cards where when you take one, um, which you have to purchase, of course, but you can not only do you block that column of cards and nobody else can take that card this year, but you can block another one and you can purchase another one. So in one action, if you spend enough money, you can block three of the different types of cards out of five, which is weird. And none of us could really find a good reason why they do that. It's just a weird mechanic that I don't quite understand. Um, I guess it balances out that you're taking less actions on the board and with your tableau because you're taking these cards. But I don't know. It just feels weird that some people just will never get the asymmetrical powers in the game as other people have all these overpowered abilities. It is what it is. It's part of the game. I really, really like the puzzle element. I really enjoyed trying to figure out how to most efficiently move my oil from point A to point B to point C to point X, you know, and fill all those tanks that I was generating. There are variable end game scoring conditions in the game as well. So these cards will come out in the beginning of the game and you always know what they are, but they will determine kind of what you try to go towards throughout the game. Um, That was pretty fun. In general, I really enjoy this game. Uh, Full disclosure, this one's part of my 10 by 10 for the year. And we've played once as part of the 10 by 10, which is kind of like a a rules refresh for everybody. But I will be playing this nine more times in the next 10 months. So I'll probably kind of touch back on it in the months to come and tell you how we're doing and kind of what we're discovering and what works and doesn't work about the game. But my initial impressions are very strong play. I can't quite give it a buy just yet, just because that card mechanic's a little weird. I don't know why it's like that. And the game itself can be a little rough um, in terms of fully understanding what you're trying to accomplish and doing it in an efficient way. It, again, it's possible to start the game and just completely mess it up and not score really much of anything throughout, which a lot of games have, and it's never very much fun. So I don't personally mind it too much, but it just makes it a hard recommendation for me 
I do like to keep that in mind when considering these things. So Pipeline's very strong play. I like it a lot. I do own a copy. I'm happy I do. And I'll, I'll come back to this in the months to come and let you know how that opinion kind of evolves as we play through it. I unfortunately have not gotten a chance to play this. I know a couple of people in, in local game groups have hit a brick wall. Some of them liked it. Some of them have been utterly confused by it and want to come back to it. So this actually might happen for me at some point, but I'm not I'm not sure what to think about it yet, just because it seems like a very different type of game from Capstone Games. Yeah, it's a funny one because it is a heavy economic game, but then you're building this little puzzle, right? Which it seems incongruous, but it does work. I mean, they do kind of flow together. I would be very interested to hear what your opinion is of this because I have no idea what you'd think. It's, it's puzzly, <laughs> but also a tableau builder at the same time. I'm like, I don't know. I don't know what happens here, but <laughs> I do like it. I do like it so far. Well, a game that I was able to get to the table is called Space Explorers. This came out in 2017, and this game is all about celebrating, and I guess in the case of the gameplay itself, helping Cosmonaut uh, Yuri, who was the first man in space on the satellite Sputnik 1 into orbit. So basically this game has a wonderful amount of artwork that is depicting that time in space, and especially the art style of that kind of space travel. So the mechanics of the actual game is more or less Splendor. Now, I don't happen to be the biggest fan of Splendor, I have tried again and again to like Splendor. I, I purchased the app, paid real money for the app, played it, and it's okay. Just it tends to kind of play itself. In this version, what we're seeing here from Space Explorers is somewhat similar. At the start of the game, you'll have a card in your hand, and you will have a tableau of cards in this market, and you will have opportunities to purchase cards and then add it to your tableau. And as you add cards to your tableau, those cards will make it cheaper to add additional cards. So you're going to have this little kind of running board on the bottom where your cards will be kind of line up. And there's five different colors and they represent the different kind of specialists that came together to make this travel possible. In addition to that, you're going to be given the five different color tokens those could also be used to pay off the different symbols on the cards to add them to your tableau. But once you do, it's a closed market. So those will move to the left and then the person to your left will have those tokens. So they'll be able to build more cards a little bit easier. And finally, there are projects just like in Splendor. Instead of nobles, you'll have all of these different satellite spaceships. And if you meet the conditions in your tableau, you'll be able to pick up one of those and add that to your final scoring. They also count towards the tiebreaker, as I came to find out. But basically, beyond the kind of Splendor comparisons, as I mentioned earlier, the artwork is really nice. I, I really do appreciate that kind of throwback artwork. And the game itself adds a different dimension here. So not only are you going to be able to purchase cards in your tableau for one less, but on the bottom right, you're also going to typically get a special ability. Sometimes it's an additional icon that you'll be able to use. And sometimes it's a way out there special ability that will air cards to your hands, make things cheaper, 
move things around, or be final bonus scoring cards throughout the game. Once you put another card on top of that card, again, depending on that special ability, you're going to shut down the one that's on the bottom. So you have to strategically place your cards and also try to figure out what cards you want to put together to snowball together for special abilities, and then what cards you want to leave out there to be able to score you as many points as possible. So it does take the Splendor formula and does upgrade it. Now, I've gotten a chance to play this, and several of my friends at the game night, Anthony, you also got a chance to play this. What'd you think? I thought it was pretty decent, actually. I I also don't love Splendor. It kind of plays itself, as I've I've said many times over the years. This one also kind of gets into that category of playing itself at a certain point. And I think any of these kind of games are going to do that because eventually you're just going to look at the tableau that's out there and take the one that you don't have to pay for. But uh, I think the first half of the game had more interesting decisions to be made than Splendor because you're building a tableau that gives you special abilities and actions that you don't get in Splendor where you're just picking up gems and whatnot. So I don't know. I thought it was a fun little game. Yeah, it does kind of try to break out from that self-play mechanic with the special abilities on the bottom of the cards. And obviously the artwork, which kind of becomes a close-up as you get the more and more powerful cards, is kind of interesting. So, you know, for Space Explorers, I'm going to give it a play. I think that it does have a bit of gameplay that's slightly different enough from Splendor that it'll actually see table time if Splendor is not the game for you or if Splendor is the game for you, but you want something a little more complex, just a bit, then this also might hit your table. All right, Anthony, that's everything that's hitting our table. Let's get on to our feature review. So for our feature review this week, we are talking about the New York Toy Fair 2020 hotness, the best games, the hottest games, the games that really burned up that show and the games that will hopefully hit your table soon. So, Anthony, what do you have for us? Yeah, we thought this would be cool to do, partially because the New York Tour Fair just wait, happened. Wait, 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 hold on a second. Was it is it cool to do or is it hot? Which is it, man? You gotta pick oh, a lane here. No, because cool means hot. Come on, man. It's a nineties <laughs> thing. Just just okay. go with it. Like bad is good. Is that what you're trying to say? Exactly. Nothing means what it means. Just go with it. <laughs> okay. Fine. Um, so the the BGG hotness right now is a whole lot of Kickstarters. There's nothing much inter- interesting in there that we haven't already talked about. But the Toy Fair did just happen. And while a lot of games on that list were things that you'll find on your local Target shelf in the months to come, some of them are very interesting. Some of them I feel like we should point out because they don't get the same kind of coverage that other conventions do. And uh, there are a few gems in there I feel like people might overlook uh, in terms of information. So first on the list is the first and finally getting out there expansion for Targi. Um, this has existed for a little while. I don't think it was ever printed in the US. I think that was kind of the the... The holding point, a lot of people never got a chance to play this from Andreas Steger, but Targi is one of those two-player games that everybody comes back to, and now the expansion's finally officially going to be available from Cosmos. So that was uh, highlighted there, and it was actually the top of the hotness list because I think a lot of people are very excited to finally get to play that. Another one that I mentioned previously, a few weeks ago, actually, and that, Chris, you and I got a chance to play just a couple days ago, is the crew, the quest for Planet Nine. So 
The version we played was in German, but there's no text on the cards. <laughs> so who knows, right? This one is coming out from Cosmos sometime this year in English, and I'm super excited. Uh, what did you think of this one? I thought it was an interesting take on trick taking. And honestly, for me, anytime anything goes up into space, I'm on board. Yeah, yeah, it's a cool one. So I'm looking forward to it. I think the mission based cooperative trick taking thing is it's not there's nothing like mind blowingly new in there, but it's still new and it does everything very well. So I think it'll do quite well when it releases. Another one from Cosmos that I think will do quite well is Andor Jr. And this is one of those ones that I can't remember if I saw that it would be on it target or if I just think that it should be at target, but it seems like a target game. <laughs> and it is a reimplementation of legends of Andor, which is one of my favorite all time adventure games um, because of its puzzly uh, take on the genre done for a younger audience. So age seven and up much shorter, like 30 to 45 minutes, but it still has your warriors and your mages and your rangers and all the cool fantasy tropes that you're used to. My son is going to love this. So I'm excited to pick it up when it finally comes out. Uh, we have Azul Crystal Mosaic. We talked about this a little bit previously. It's not a new game, but it's an overlay for the original Azul that makes it easier to keep everything in place. So it's almost purely a um, aesthetic upgrade, but I'm excited because I hope they release it for the other two versions of the game. Um, I don't really play the original Azul anymore, but I would gladly buy this for the uh, second and third games in the series. Um, we have Gollum, which is coming from three designers who I absolutely love. Uh, Flaminia Brasini, Virginio Gili, and Simone Luciani uh, via Cranio Creations. This is one of those games that it just seemed weird that they had it at the Toy Fair, but Cranio was at the Toy Fair. So, of course, you know, they're going to bring all their stuff, right? Um, it's an engine building game, and it is from the the trio of designers behind Grand Austria Hotel. And it is based on the legend of the Golem in Prague from like the 16th century, I think. I It's just such a cool idea that I don't know exactly how the game's going to play out. There's a lot of information about it if you want to learn more about it. But generally what you'll be doing is working to activate the Golem and take different bonuses in the city, obtaining clay to create new Golems and grow your own, get artifacts, um, That'll help you get generate coins and buy gold, uh, perform different spells by obtaining different types of mana and the performing of additional actions uh, by spending different kinds of um, the resources that you've picked up. So it seems like a decent euro and with just a unique, interesting theme placed on top of it. So I'm interested to see how it plays out and uh, hopefully it's a lot of fun. Bees. This is the new game from Next Move Games. And those are, if that sounds familiar, it's because that is the imprint with Plan B that does Azul and did Reef uh, and other similar games. This is a first time designer, I believe. Uh, he doesn't have anything credited on BGG, but it looks very pretty. Like design wise, it's nice to look at. You have bees kind of moving around, securing nectar for the hive, um, trying to avoid other bees. It is obviously an abstract strategy game because it is from an abstract strategy company, but I love abstract strategy games. So this is definitely one I'm going to keep an eye on and probably come out this summer sometime. Um, we have SpyCon, which is a storytelling detective party game. 
<laughs> where you split up into different teams and take turns being the, sc- the spy. So the spy's goal in this is to make the other team guess which costume they're wearing in a way that the opposing team wouldn't understand. So you have to be kind of clever about the different language you use. This one comes from Hobby World and uh, designer Alexander Ushan, who previously designed Spyfall, of course, and Spyfall 2. So it's going to be kind of in that uh, realm of games. Sidereal Confluence is getting a second edition, and that doesn't seem like much, but Sidereal Confluence is one of those games that came and just completely flew under the radar. Part of that is that it is a big, long game for four to nine players, which is a crazy player count that can take many hours to play. And it's purely about negotiating and trading resources with each other. So a very specific type of game for a very specific group of people, but also the components were really bad and it was kind of ugly. So that didn't help. Um, The second edition promises to improve on a lot of those things it's still from WizKids, so I guess we'll see how they do, but uh, it can't be much worse than that first edition, which I've seen, and it's not pretty to look at. Namiji, we've talked about before. This is the sequel to uh, Takedo from Antoine Bauza. It's more about fishing than walking the, uh, the Takedo road. I liked it a lot. I I know there's been some mixed feelings about it because it is just kind of Takedo reskinned, but I do feel like it adds some interesting new mechanics. Um, so excited to see this one when it comes out. Uh, Enigma from Crowd Games and Sergey Pritchola. This is a bluffing and dedu- deduction game about cracking the Enigma code and uh, kind of the famous work of the British code crackers during World War II as part of their efforts in bringing down the Nazis. I... I don't know. I mean, hidden role games aren't my thing. Memory games aren't really my thing. But the theme is really interesting. And depending on how it's done, it could be an interesting game. We have Fallout Shelter, which Fantasy Flight Games showed off. So this is the second Fallout game they're releasing. And it is based on not the Fallout series of games, but the mobile game that Bethesda made called Fallout Shelter, in which you're just kind of managing your little people in a uh, big old kind of constantly moving um shelter of your own i honestly i wasn't super intrigued by this when they first announced it but it does have some interesting worker placement mechanics mixed in and while it doesn't look like it's the heaviest game in the world it could be a little meatier than what we saw in the fallout board game which i was thoroughly unimpressed with despite really liking the the, uh, theme behind it so i will keep my eye on this because if it's better than that (laughs) <laughs> it might be worth checking out. Um, we also have a whole bunch of new exit games. We all know what the exit games are, but I think there's five or six new ones that were announced or shown at least at the, sh- at the show. Four Gardens was shown by Korea Board Games, which is just a beautiful looking game um, with a four story pagoda in the middle of the table that kind of represents kind of the core mechanics of the game there. It is just beautiful pastel artwork on the cover. Um, and mechanically, it doesn't look like the most complicated or heaviest game in the world, but production wise, there's just a lot of cool stuff going on there. So I'd like to see what they do with that. I mentioned war of the ring Kings of middle earth last week, they were showing it off and it's kind of early form. So I was very much clicking through every single photo I could find of that to see what all the miniatures are. Zen garden from Mike Giorgio and 
published by Queen Games, uh, is a new uh, kind of light to medium weight uh, game from Queen Games, which will almost certainly be on Kickstarter at some point because that's what they do. Um, but it is, again, an, another very pretty game about building out this garden and trying to help the emperor relax. Uh, and I don't know. I'm like, Queen Games are very hit and miss with me, but this one does look in- interesting. And then last but not least, um, Masters of the Night. This is from Ares Games, and it is about you play as a member of a vampire family, and you are just arrived in a new unfamiliar city, and you are trying to do your best to survive. It's a cooperative game, uh, plays from one to five, and you're trying to basically stay hidden from these various agents who are trying to stop you from, you know, being a vampire because... You know, you're a vampire. <laughs> it's bad. <laughs> uh, but it looks pretty interesting. The artwork's very evocative of like Arkham, but more noir. And I really like the look of it. So there you go, guys. A whole bunch of stuff out of the New York Toy Fair tends toward the lighter end of things, although Cranio has a few interesting games coming out. So definitely check those out if any of them sound interesting. All right. So that's everything for this week. Until next time, this is Chris. Hey, and this is Anthony. And we'll save you a seat at the New York Toy Fair.
All right, so that's everything for this week. Until next time, this is Chris. And we'll save you a seat at the table.